This is Take 4 Wrestling, Episode 3. Um, it is 3, right? Yes. So we recorded 3, but it didn't record. We recorded 4, and it didn't record, right? So this is that makes this Episode 3. This is, <laughs> this is Take 4, Take 2. Take 4, Take 2. Yeah, so you notice that we, we posted a couple of episodes, like, you know, just right on time, like within a week of each other. And it's been a few weeks since the last episode. That's because... Uh, in my podcasting expertise, and I've only been doing this, I don't know, going on 20 years, um, stuff happens. Yeah, we, we we had some recording problems. It um, pretty much affected this show and a couple other shows that I do. And I've been holding off until I got it fixed. I'm still not really super happy with the solution that we have in place right now, but I have uh, a couple emails out with... Uh, couple of vendors trying to get this straightened out so kind of a pain in the butt <laughs> well at least we're getting there yeah we're getting there but uh you know what it's practice it's practice ah <sighs> so it's kind of funny i mean like anytime you do a new show even though you know you've been yourself now for for years you've been <laughs> jt hogg for years yes. and i'm brian kilby by the way and with me i have jt hogg oh. uh Joey Roberts, but you know, um, you, you kind of build like a little dynamic with, uh, the, you know, your co-host as, as you do this over and over again. So the last episode we recorded was phenomenal. You'll never hear it though. Unfortunately, but, uh, we'll get to that. So what we decided to do being good podcast hosts, instead of, uh, just jumping ahead, we are re-recording the material for these two weeks. So you are getting, a well-rehearsed, well-practiced uh, take on uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I think it's episode 130 from, uh, I believe it's 1994, something like that, from the WWE Network. But uh, before we get to that, we are going to talk about our gimmick of the week this week, and it's the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, we're doing a whole slew of gimmicks for gimmick of the week. Now... The only thing I, I remember about Dungeon of Doom is basically um, Kevin Sullivan and maybe Haku. Was was he a part of the Dungeon of Doom? Yep. Uh, Dungeon of Doom had a uh, rotating roster over the years, and uh, it was uh, pretty much created because uh, Kevin Sullivan hated Hulk Hogan. And when uh, Hulk Hogan came to WCW, they... Uh, um, gave him a, uh, they wanted to give him like a, almost like a super villain team. So they were almost like the, uh, was that the, um, Le- uh, uh, the, uh, Legion of Doom, right? Yes. The Legion of Doom with like Lex Luthor and all those guys. And there was definitely a lot of colorful characters in that. Um, it was started by, uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan went to the, uh, I don't know if you remember him going into like the caves and stuff and where he met um, the guy that uh, would be, was usually known as the master, but he was actually a wrestler too, was uh, King Curtis Iakea. And uh, he was a uh, wrestler back in the sixties. Uh, and um, then slowly they brought in different, different members like Kamala, um, the shark, which was Earthquake. Uh, even Hulk Hogan's own buddy himself, the Brutus the Barber Beefcake, known as the Zodiac. You had uh, Ming. 
You had Hugh Morris, One Man Gang, The Barbarian, um, Loch Ness, which he was uh, known as Giant Haystacks over in uh, England. He was an extremely famous wrestler who was uh, six foot eleven and six hundred and eighty five pounds. Holy crap! He was huge. Uh, if you ever get a chance, watch some of his stuff on uh, YouTube. Uh, of course, the matches are really slow paced, but he's just uh, he's really fun to watch because he's just so big. And um, of course, you had guys like uh, uh, Max, which I don't really remember him either. Uh, <laughs> Big Bubba, <laughs> yeah, Max Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, yeah, Big Bubba was in it. Um, Conan was in it for a short time. Uh, was it was it basically like the NWO and everybody was in it? It was like the goofy NWO. Um, we also had the famous uh, Braun the Leprechaun. Which, what? Uh, he was uh, originally known as a uh, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, the State Patrol. You don't remember uh, the. Braun the leprechaun? No. He was he would uh run around the ring and just bite people. That's all he did. So he had a pretty good gimmick. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> it didn't last very long. It lasted like maybe six months. Um but we did get the awesome team of Ming and uh Barbarian, the faces of fear. Oh yeah, definitely. they were amazing. Uh we got the giant. He debuted as a member of the uh Dungeon of Doom. Oh, yeah. It's a son. Yes. It's Andre's son. I, rec- I recognize the aura, man, brother. He had, like, the uh, shirt, Andre's shirt he threw at Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I believed it when I was a kid that he was actually uh, uh, Andre's son. I, I'm a little older, and I was smartened up by that point. Yeah, well, I was, I was, uh, I was older, but I was dumb. I think we're around the same <laughs> age, but I was still... <laughs> But uh, we also had, uh, if you remember, uh, Zeus from No Holds oh, Barred was that? Oh, my God. He was... Uh, t- tiny Lister. Yeah, he was known as Z-Gangsta. And um, the Ultimate Solution, which was a very uh, anti-Jewish name, uh, Jeep Swanson. Uh, they actually had to uh, change his name because the Ultimate Solution was... Uh, it was the final solution was the uh, the Nazi plan. Yeah. Yeah. But that's very close. Yeah, to it's us. close enough where they had to change it. They're like, what are you thinking? But um, also, we got the uh, Yeti. Do you remember the Yeti? Vaguely. Uh, he came out. Uh, he debuted. Actually, he debuted in the same match as the Giant at Halloween Havoc. And they came out and they uh, double humped uh, Hulk Hogan. Double. <laughs> Do you remember that bear hug with her both humping him? No. Oh, you got to look that up, too. That's That's a lot of fun. Because uh, Big Show, or the Giant has uh, Hulk Hogan in a uh, bear hug, and then the Yeti breaks out of ice and comes down to the ring, and he just puts his arms around uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, uh, Giant and start gyrating on him. So it's a it's an erotic time in WCW's history. But if you didn't know that the Yeti was, uh, he was also known under a few names, like... Uh, Big Ron Stud because he was trained by Big John Stud. No, oh, cool. and he was also known as the Giant Ninja. That's like how my grandfather <laughs> would have said Ninja. That's why I said that because I because uh, of Don on a RFC last week. Oh yeah, that yeah, made yeah, me yeah. laugh pretty hard. But uh, yeah, Jimmy Hart was a member of this. So uh, this was a it was uh, 
they started getting away from the Dungeon of Doom when um, NWO came in because they have, of course, had these this realistic, cool uh, heel group. And then you had this group, uh, goofy heel group with all these like weird characters. And probably this would have been pretty cool in the uh, late 80s. I think this would have been a lot cooler than it was in the uh, late, uh, semi-late 90s. The uh, Dungeon of Doom's uh, feud with Hulk Hogan com- uh, culminated. culminated in a uh, in a match at um, oh shoot where was it uh, I think it was at Bash at the Beach or something but it was like a three tier cage match with all the members of the Dungeon of Doom and um, the Four Horsemen against uh, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan where. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage beat like all 12 guys. That's ridiculous. And the one to get pinned in the final tier of the cage was Ric Flair. So <laughs> on all those guys, Ric Flair had to do the job, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a huge monstrosity. The, the cage, it was three tiers and each had a floor in it and had different members of the dungeon of doom in it. But I think the reason why they won was because the Zodiac turned out to be a spy sent in by Hulk Hogan. So um, then he came back as the Booty Man, if you remember the Booty Man. Of course I do. Which actually, I like the Booty Man. That was that was an interesting gimmick. A lot of fun. He had the Booty Babe, which was Kimberly Page. Oh God. Yeah, WCW during that time was uh, it was it was fun. I don't know how uh, how good it was for the wrestling business, but it was a lot of fun because you just never knew what was going to happen. Uh, but that's sorry. That's the history of the Dungeon of Doom. If you just heard me uh, make a groaning sound, oh. it's just because I dropped two hundred and thirty three dollars on tickets to the NWA Legends Fan Fest here next week. Sorry, <laughs> that much money for tickets for anything, but. Well, you have a lot of fun. I would, I would love to go to that. Yeah, a, I, I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of cool guys down there. You could tell uh, Bobby Fulton I said hi. I'm sure he'll be there. Okay. He makes all those uh, appearances. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So maybe, probably not on the next episode, but the episode after, uh, we'll talk about uh, how that went down. Sweet. So yeah, uh, Dungeon of Doom, that's certainly a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have fond memories of watching WCW Saturday Night and uh, the Dungeon of Doom making an appearance. Yeah, but I don't remember much else other than that. WCW was uh, Saturday Night was awesome. It was. I hated missing it because I had a job at McDonald's at the time, and I just absolutely hated having to work on Saturday nights at six oh five. Yeah, made me mad. Because because uh, back then, like uh, I would video, I'd videotape it. But it would really make me mad when uh, anybody would use the uh, microwave when they were videotaping it because it would put lines through the TV on my videotape. And that sucks. And for some reason, I wanted all the matches in like mint condition. Like, I always had like big plans to like make like a series of tapes. So I I did do that. I had I probably still have all the tapes that I recorded that had tons and tons and tons of wrestling on it and i know i converted most of that stuff because i had limitless time back then to like uh digital so 
And I, I honestly think I threw all that crap away, which is probably literally months of my life. <laughs> yeah. Why well, I, I had a I had a tape collection up until about uh, the probably about the third time I've moved, and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm getting rid of these videotapes. I'm never going to watch them. But I probably had 500 uh, videotapes just in boxes of just like Saturday night, like uh, Monday night Raws, like every because I recorded every hour of wrestling that was on. Oh, yeah, me me too, me too. And I was in the tape trading too. I love tape trading. Yeah, that was a lot of fun when I uh, discovered that. Because you got, I got to see like matches like uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, against the Legion of Doom over in Japan and stuff. Because I got a lot of the uh, foreign tapes to watch. I didn't get that much. I just tried to acquire stuff from like the mid '80s that I didn't have access to anymore. I always had to have uh, tons of hacksaw matches because I wanted to study those. So hmm. even though I could have probably studied five of his matches and been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can do a clothesline perfect now because of that. Can you do a clothesline from hell though? Oh, my clothesline is just from uh, purgatory. Is it uh, Lariato? Is that what happens? Is that what happens when you uh, do one? Oh no, that's uh, that's uh, Tony James, one of my uh, dreaded opponents. He, oh, really? Yeah, he has the Lariato. That's what he hits me with. That's that one where he hit me with the bell, but I think he met the bell missed. So, but he still hit me with a rope and a clothesline. That still hurts. Yeah. You've been hit with a rope that hurt. That stings. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> but... mm. Ah, taste, uh, taste of, uh, sweet tea right there. Delicious. Hey, let's talk about speaking. Actually, speaking of sweet tea in the South, let's talk about uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, sweet tea in the Rock and Roll Express. That uh, describes the South <laughs> perfectly. Pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, this, uh, of course, what we do on the show is we talk about classic wrestling from the WWE Network. We pay for it. We pay for it. We might as well use it. Yeah. Uh, so, this is an episode of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, uh, episode 130, which uh, I'm not, I don't have the episode number and everything in front of me. So, I think this is from 1994. But there's a lot of interesting things in this. And I, I don't, I mean, we'll, we'll do a rundown of the, the what's on the show, but I, I mostly just want to talk about general thoughts. Because I don't think that there's anything wrestling wise that's extremely outstanding from this. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, I, I, what what I enjoy more than anything really is just the way that the show is put together and the how over uh all of the wrestlers were and the promotion was back then compared to where it is now, where wrestling is now. Um but pretty much the show started off with uh this uh oh leading up to an event that was happening. I, I forget how long, but it basically involved Ron Wright talking about how he, he, they were, there was going to be a submission match. He was going to be in the corner. I don't even remember who it was, but he was in the corner, uh, which I know makes for enthralling listening, <laughs> but, but that's, that's not so much what it was. I mean, he, he talked about how he wasn't going to wave the flag. He was going to like dip it in concrete <laughs> or cement. And like the fans were like, Oh yeah, you're not going to submit is all, you know, it's, but it's like, that that promo would never get over or never work now. Um, but, like, the fans are eating that crap up. Oh, yeah, they love this stuff. And this, uh, watching this show, it 
I want to go see that show live. And of course, I'm way too late, but uh, it did a really good job of uh, making me want to see the show. The way they uh, were building it up, because it was uh, what they were going towards was uh, it was Jim Cornette's team of uh, Bruiser Bedlam, Dory Funk, and Terry Funk against uh, Bob Armstrong, Tracy Smothers, and uh, Road Warrior Hawk with uh, Ron, Ron, uh, not Ron, Ron White. White. I, I, I put Ron White on my notes here. Hey, you're just missing it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with him in their corner. And uh, yeah, I mean, it. I love the, uh, the format of the show is awesome. Uh, just a lot of fun. And like you said, all the wrestlers were over and, uh, that's not something it's just, uh, not something that in today's wrestling, I think the fans are so jaded that not all the wrestlers are over anymore like this. Like I, I hear, I hear a lot of old timers talk about how the business has been killed and wrestling's dead. And like at a big show, the W, I mean, like WrestleMania, of course, had whatever they said over a hundred thousand people. Whether it was ninety thousand or what, it was a lot of people. Yeah. But at the show from as of recording now, last night, uh, Battleground, they said fifteen thousand people. So who knows what it really was? But probably thirteen, fourteen thousand. But a lot of people, but not as much people, not as uh, not as many people as they used to get back in the day. But I was watching this, and I mentioned recently that I was at a ROH pay-per-view in uh, Concord, North Carolina, and it was an awesome show. Uh, but like, I'm I'm pretty sure I've probably spoke in front of more people than <laughs> was actually was actually uh, than were actually at that show. Um, you don't go and people don't go and you know try to figure out what's the biggest audience I've had, but. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, like it's it's close. Yeah. But uh, there were way more people at this TV taping for Smoky Mountain Wrestling back in '94 than were at that pay per view, and it's just ridiculous, like how what the dynamic is was then compared to today. Well, yeah, they used to sell out. Um, I think Smoky Mountain. It was either Smoky Mountain or USWA. Like they sold out their uh, their big uh, Civic Center every Tuesday night. And uh, it was like, uh, it was a huge amount of people, like 20 or 30,000 people every Tuesday night. You know, I mean, that's, that's unheard of today. Yeah. And you don't, yeah. Stuff like that doesn't, it just doesn't happen. I work on one of the uh, biggest shows uh, in Ohio right now, like one of the biggest independent shows. And it only draws between five to 700 people. And, I mean, and that's probably like considering what you normally go to. I mean, that's or, or performing for now. That's quite a bit. Oh yeah, that's huge. But like, just compare it to what it was back in the day. Like uh, Jim Cornette always talked about, he could uh, they would easily draw two thousand people in a high school gym just uh, on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, you know. And um, I've been on shows. Uh, the smallest crowd I ever wrestled in front of was three people. Really? And uh, it was embarrassing. Three people. <laughs> Three people. Pay- paying people? Yes. I-, I hope they paid. Actually, I got paid. I got the hotel room and still got paid. So I'm sure that promoter probably lost a lot of money. But uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. I uh, It was down in uh, West Virginia. And um, it was this was before, like, GPS and everything. So I would gotten lost. And um, I was driving around trying to find this place. 
And when I got there, it was about uh, probably about 10 minutes before my match. So I went in the back. I didn't know um, how many people were out there. And they're like, hey, you're next. So I'm like getting getting dressed real quick. And um, I'm like, hey, how's the crowd out there? And they're like, oh, it's a big crowd. I'm like, oh, good. So uh, I usually throw out little stuffed pigs uh, yeah. before I come out. And um, so I was like, well, if it's a big crowd, I'll, I'll throw out three. Or I'll throw out four this time. Yeah. And because um, I usually throw out like maybe two to three, depending on the crowd. Well, I went out, uh, my music started playing, and I come out through the curtain. I do my big bau, and about halfway through, I stop and I look around, and there's three people out in the crowd. And I'd brought in four pigs. So I just walked <laughs> over to the people, I handed them each a pig, and I was like, here, give this to your mother or something. Because it was a dad and his two kids. So <laughs> it was a. How does that happen? How does that happen? Oh, man, I don't know. But there's like, I don't know how you can only draw three people. That just has to be absolutely no advertising at all. Like the smallest crowd that I ever spoke in front of, um, as far as like a podcast goes, I don't know, probably like the the Transformers panel at... um, Joe Landa doesn't get a ton of people. Maybe it, it might be 40 or 50. Uh, and that's, you know, that seems kind of small to me, but I can't imagine three people. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Yeah. I was a little disappointed because I drove like three hours to get there, but you got paid. Oh yeah. He, uh, the promoter took care of me. I, I mean, I didn't get paid as much as I normally do, but I got paid like, I think 20 bucks and I got a hotel room that night. I was like, well, you know, it happens. And that was part of we did we did good the next night because uh, we had a show the next day too, and there was a couple hundred people at the next show. So, but uh, yeah, I mean there there's some independent wrestling companies out there that uh, draw thirty to fifty people consistently, and that's all they ever draw. Um, I worked for a company for a while. I was trying to help them out, but they were just full of a bunch of bunch of idiots. Uh, they were more worried about like how many titles they had and uh, how many who won the matches. And I'm like, there's 30 people out in the audience. Let's try to build this up. And uh, I had it building up for a little bit because I was bringing in some better talent. But then the homegrown guys got a little jealous that I was bringing in other talent and using that. And then so that went to crap. But yeah, you know. Okay, so I guess let's let's go back to uh, to this show. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Even, even though, even though, I mean, no, I mean, I I, I find this fascinating. Uh, I really do. But um, let's see here. Was this the first match? Uh, Scott Stud versus Chris Candido. Yes, the uh, so, beat the clock or beat yeah, the so champ. I, yeah, I didn't get this when I first watched it. So, the, basically, Chris Candido is TV champ, right? Uh, well, what it is is um. The beat the champ was, um, it would they would uh, start out drawing two names out of the hat, and say uh, like in this instance Scott Studd and Chris Candido got the names drawn. Um, the winner of this match would get I think five hundred dollars, um, and then Chris Candido would have to defend that title four more times and if he won the fourth he would get five hundred dollars each time and if he won the fourth match i think he got uh a thousand or five thousand and then it was done so what what the point was was the win you had to win five matches in a row 
and then um then after you whoever if say chris candido wrestled tracy smothers next week and tracy smothers beat him then he would go five and then if tracy smothers won all five matches he would get the cash reward and they draw two new names out of the hat to start it all over again it was actually a pretty interesting uh concept yeah is was scott stud a job guy uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I've never, uh, I don't think I've, e- believe I've ever seen him anywhere else. Um, I'm sure he was probably just a homegrown talent and, uh, probably went to the school and, uh, probably, probably just did like the, uh, little independent circuit there uh-huh. in uh, okay. Kentucky and Tennessee and all those places. So when I first watched this, it that didn't click. So I just thought this was a TV title match and that Scott Studd was the, was the champion and then basically job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually it was, uh, you could, uh, from what I've seen, you could always tell usually when the champion was going to lose because it wouldn't be a jobber guy, ah. but, um, it's a cool, uh, actually I want to, I kind of want to steal this concept for if I ever book again, cause I like the, uh, I like the idea behind this. Of course we'd probably have to lower it to like 50 bucks. You'd win. Ash. Yeah. <laughs> you get 50 bucks. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I mean, it's 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 a work. So you could say five thousand bucks or whatever. It doesn't mean they're going to get it. Yeah. I, uh, well, I I one time uh, when I was booking for that company that only drew about forty or fifty people, I like to have battle royals on my show. Yeah. And uh, I was joking around, and uh, actually, I went through with it, and uh, we had a a twenty five dollar battle royal. Twenty five dollar battle. Because they have like the usually the twenty five thousand dollars. I was like. Fans aren't going to buy that. We have $25,000. It's a $25 battle roll. They'll probably buy that. So <laughs> $25. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, that, not like a stellar match or anything. Um, so after that, it went to Jim Cornette and Bruiser Bedlam. And I had forgotten that Bruiser Bedlam uh, is a murderer, right? Yeah, he was like a hitman for a, a biker gang. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he was a big dude big scary dude yeah uh how many people did he kill any idea Uh, i think it was just the one i think i think he was just kind of like their uh goon like enforcer Mm -hmm. and um he would uh just go around and break kneecaps and stuff i know uh jim Cornette talked about him a few times on his podcast yeah about how nice of a guy he was but he was an actual killer yeah, but uh, he probably didn't have much of a choice if he's part of the biker gang. Possibly now. So uh, Jim Cornette uh, is on strike in in this uh, storyline, which is funny because wrestlers really can't go on strike. Yeah, but, of course, <laughs> because there's no wrestlers union. Yeah, I guess he was just trying to uphold the uh, the company. Yeah, but it, it's just it's just a, it's a TV thing. Oh yeah, it's a great. Uh, Jim Cornette's a genius. Oh yeah, I love their. Uh, I love the promo with him, Bruiser, uh, Terry Funk, and Dory Funk. Because uh, Terry Funk was. Uh, I love Terry. He Funk. was. He was so crazy in that promo, and Dory Funk look, was just kind of just standing there, you know, like looking around, looking at his watch. It's like, oh, I'm I'm just here to wrestle. While Terry Funk's so- making weird faces of the camera. So, like, uh, speaking of, uh, like, craziness and uh, promos and stuff, what about the gangsters? Yeah, they were, uh, man, that was that was some heat. Uh, so, 
the, so <laughs> the gangsters. I forgot. I forgot. So it's been a, it's uh, did was there a match before this, or was I watching another show? Uh, they took on uh, Chris Hamrick and Anthony Michaels in their debut yeah, match. Yeah, I mean, it, and it is what it is. Yeah, it was I mean, a squash. Yeah, the match wasn't you know that great, but basically you know they're getting across. I mean, they had a, yeah they had a huge entourage. I, I don't know that in any of their subsequent matches they had an entourage that was that, that was that uh, as big as this. I think eventually D'Lo Brown was a member of their entourage. Oh yeah, D'Lo got to start there. Yeah, I think uh, he was an account. He was a CPA, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think the gangsters were actually uh, probably where the nation of Dam- domination came from. Possibly. That's a, eventually it kind of morphed into that. Possibly. But New Jack, man, he uh, he wouldn't get away with saying any of that on network TV. Well, okay. So, again, this is the second time we've talked about this episode. The first time, all of that uh, stuff went down, unfortunately, with, um, with the cops uh, shooting – uh, the uh, the guy in the car, the guy on the on the ground. Then there was the shooting with the police, and it was like, well, I'm kind of glad that recording didn't happen because <laughs> all this terrible stuff. But it's interesting. Like race was in such a different place back then when it came to, uh, you know, there's the what was the Anthony King, uh, Rodney King. Was this, Rod, Rodney King. There's the Rodney King thing, uh, where the cops uh, beat him up, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, black anger. Uh, in respect to all that, but like, but it was all very civil compared to, you know, where we are now. Of course, there were riots, and there's really nothing civil about that. But there's a lot of anger, and his promo just captured, like, all of that stuff. I mean, uh, talking about uh, OJ doing good work, and there are two (laughs) two less to worry about. Like, oh my god, I can't believe he said that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, then uh, he mentioned Snoop Dogg, right? Yeah, his and, boy Snoop uh, Dogg and Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, I mean, talking about how everybody they were they were rednecks and everything. It's just like he was getting. I mean, like that's that's gonna that's gonna bring heat. And uh, wow, wrestling just uh, you can you can understand why wrestlers would get the uh, heels would get the crap kicked out of him uh, back in the day yeah. by fans because you know I mean. Their job was to piss people off. Yeah, New Jack was. Um, luckily, he's he's insane, and he'll stab you. Yeah, because like, uh, nobody will mess with him because he's just he's crazy. Uh, my uh, buddy Chris Crew had had a run in with him, and uh, Chris uh, he thought he was going to get killed by New Jack because uh, they're at a show and New Jack had a, a gimmick table set up, and somebody went over and. Uh, Bounced uh, during the match, bounced Chris Cruitt's head off his gimmick table, and New Jack was just going off on him in the back. And of course, my friend's like, "Oh yes, Mister New Jack. Oh yes, because he's crazy. He'll stab you." He beat up the. uh, Did you ever see the match where he beat up Gypsy Joe? No. The world's oldest wrestler. Oh, it's 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 hard to watch. Um, because Gypsy Joe was uh in his uh. I think he was like 85 at the time. And uh, he was no, I guess he uh, no sold a couple of punches from new Jack. So uh, new Jack admitted to trying to kill him in the match. He was like hitting him over the head with a baseball bat and uh, throwing his head into the concrete. He was trying to kill the guy and he gave him credit. He was like, that old guy's tough. <laughs> like uh, new Jack's just a crazy man. I I'm scared to death of new Jack. 
he is actually the only wrestler that if I went to a show and they're like, Hey, you're working new Jack tonight. I'd be like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I would leave and walk out and, uh, talking about like, uh, the, the heat these wrestlers used to get back in the day was just like the, sometimes like I call it stabbing heat, stabbing heat. That's where, uh, you make a fan want to kill you. And, um, I've never experienced it, uh, myself because it's, it you just can't get heat like that anymore. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah. it was probably about 10 to probably about 10 to 12 years ago. My uncle, uh, J.R. Hulk, he was wrestling his friend, uh, Buddy Rose and they were, uh, someplace down in West Virginia and, uh, Buddy Rose was getting a lot of heat from this, uh, one guy in the front row. It was a older veteran looking guy in a wheelchair and he had a blanket over his legs. And, uh, the guy, he was just, he was just, uh, working the guy. Cause the guy was, I mean, whenever you find somebody in a crowd that is real receptive, you just, you work that guy. Cause everybody else will feed off the energy of that guy in the crowd. And, um, but, uh, after the, uh, after the match, my uncle was out in the back smoking a cigarette and, um, the guy in the wheelchair came up to him, uh, cause they were outside and he was like that, uh, that dirty, no good buddy Rose. Uh, he's lucky you, uh, beat him. Cause I was going to take care of him. My uncle's like, well, what do you mean? And he lifted up his, uh, he lifted up his blanket and he had a gun underneath his blanket. And my uncle's like, no, don't worry about it. We got him. Don't, you don't need to do that. So yeah, I remember you t- mentioning that. I don't, re- I don't remember if it was on uh, a podcast or if uh, it was in another context, but that's crazy. And the thing is, okay. Thing is today, a rest, uh, a fan hurts a wrestler. You know, there has, has to be something wrong with that fan. Yeah. Like there's something broken in there, something mental, but back then it was a little more forgivable. Oh yeah. They, uh, there's uh West Virginia is a place where I think people still, I don't know how smart enough they are to wrestling because they get into it like no other I've ever seen. I've seen, uh, I have seen fans like spit on the wrestlers, uh, try to fight them in the back. Um, I, uh, we had this one guy, he was a, I, he obviously wasn't right in the head, but he was a big giant guy. And, uh, he walked around to the back of the building and uh, push one of the wrestlers as they were trying to get in the door, and the the wrestler just slammed the door open on him and pop, popped him in the face. <laughs> I mean these these uh, the West Virginia fans are crazy; they get into it. So luckily, I'm always a uh, face down there, so I don't have to worry about it too much. They like me, so uh, I'll also be the ones that go down and calm them down sometime. Like yeah. if they're getting too rowdy, I'll be like, "We got this. I'll take care of them. Don't worry." That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I don't have to worry about getting stabbed or shot. Hopefully. Yeah. Being the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was next? The, uh, thrill seekers match. Uh, yes, it was with, uh, my pal, Brian Logan and Steve Skyfire. Um, no relation to the transformer. I do not believe so. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he's related to Kronos though. Oh God. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Brian Logan, he's a cool guy. He's a, uh, I've I've known him for a little while now. He uh, trained one of my best friends in wrestling, and uh, he's he's a very knowledgeable guy. He got to work with a lot of the uh, 
big names of uh, today, like John Cena and Batista and Brock Lesnar, because he was down in OVW when all those guys were down there training. But uh, the Thrill Seekers now, uh, Lance Storm and Chris Jericho, they uh, they are a lot of fun to watch as a tag team. They are. I mean, they're, this is definitely the early stages of their career, so they had a lot left to learn. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lance Storm and Chris Jericho both got so much better after this. But I think I think Lance Storm matured probably more. Uh, Chris Jericho, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I think back then he was still pretty darn awesome. But um, Lance Storm has always just really impressed me from um, an in-ring perspective, not so much from a promo perspective. When he finally, uh, I think he actually said this, when he finally got comfortable doing promos, I mean, really what he did is he just sort of settled into his uh, uh, character knowing that he couldn't cut a promo. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like like the let me be serious for a minute – promos that he would do yeah i thought he was really good in uh wcw when they were doing the canadian thing yeah because that was his gimmick was to be mr stick up the butt and um i he of course he played that very well mm-hmm. and i love his rat tail he has, a, yeah. he has a beautiful rat tail in this but uh the thrill seekers uh i'm i'm really surprised that the wwf didn't snatch him up at this time because I think they would have, they would have done pretty good in that environment, in the tag team environment at that time. Uh so this was '94. I'd say this is probably after peak tag team in WWF, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, so the Rockers weren't even together at this point, were they? Yeah, this was more like uh, uh, Heavenly Bodies, uh, Well Done. I think yeah, the I, Godwins, I, the New Rockers. Yeah, had, yeah. Had this been a few years earlier, or four or five years earlier, I'd say I totally agree with you. But at this point, I don't really think so. I, I, and, and it's a good thing. I think he did good work in ECW. Yeah. Yeah, I think they definitely came uh, to the big time when they needed to. But I was just a little surprised that they weren't uh, they they weren't picked up then because at this time you would have thought that Vince McMahon would have been looking for the next rockers at this stage. Yeah, maybe Uh, I really loved uh, Jericho's work in WCW, Uh, but I found it interesting. I don't remember if this, where this was, if this was on an interview that he did or what, Uh, but I recall Jericho saying that um, when he actually went to the WWF from WCW one, he took a, substantial pay cut but it's because he really wanted to be in the wwf and um you know i I have a lot of respect for that because um i mean i just think he's i think he's one of the greatest talents of all time i I think if he's not top 10 he's top 20 yeah he really won me over in wcw uh i I think i still might have my uh 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 monday night jericho shirt oh that's awesome um yeah i was a big fan of chris jericho uh because he was just I mean, he had great personality. Uh, it's I think it's been more in his later career that I haven't liked him as much. Yeah, I mean, it's, but the thing is, what I really like about Jericho now is he wrestles because he loves wrestling, not because he needs the money. Yeah, definitely. And, and like, he took a wicked uh, bump a couple months back when he went, he was thrown into those uh, thumbtacks. He didn't need to take that bump. 
he didn't need that payday, but he did it because he loves wrestling and he loves performing. <laughs> yeah, he's past that where he has to has to wrestle. Yeah. So uh, I think really, really great wrestler. I really love I really enjoy what he does still in the business. And I think, you know, uh, younger, younger guys can learn a lot by watching him. Well, yeah. What was more exciting than uh, when he made his debut on Raw? Oh yeah, with the Y two J countdown. Yeah. And everything. yeah, I mean, I I can't think anything that would be much more exciting than that. That was that was an iconic moment. <laughs> in, yeah, raw history. And it was a uh, really I, I can't remember if I knew beforehand it was going to be him. I I'm pretty sure I knew at that point. I can't remember if that's when everything got spoiled, but it was still exciting just to see him there and then face off against the Rock. Yeah, but then he kind of got in a feud with like Road Dog and China. I was like, what happened? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Was that so? Was that the uh, the show? Was there anything else? Uh, well, they had um, they had some uh, like a heavenly body promo for that upcoming show. Uh, they had a dirty white boy versus Terry Gordy promo. Um, they had the end of uh, Tracy Smothers versus Brian Lee. Um, and then they had a uh, a, a fun promo with uh, Candido, Brian Lee, and uh, Tammy. Um. It was it was cool to see Tammy, uh, Tammy Cinch, who would later become Sunny. Yeah, so uh, I think I think her, I think her character was Fist, Tammy Fitch. Yeah, and her real name was Sitch. Like back then, I had su- when she was in the WWF, I had such a huge crush on her. But just like everybody else, did. oh and yeah, she was, she was number <laughs> one. Yeah, she was the number one down, the number one most downloaded woman in like on the internet, like in '96 or something. Yeah, she was. Uh, I'm still like I. I Whenever I, if I see that, if I would happen to be booked on a show with her, I'd be like, oh, there, that's one woman. Yeah, she was uh, something special at that. She hit right at that right time for for yeah. me, definitely. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, back then had a crush on her. <laughs> Not so much these days. Yeah, she's looking a little rough. Um, did you ever see her wrestling vixen stuff? <clears throat> okay, moving along. Uh, so, uh, so the next show we're going to talk about is uh, ECW Barely Legal 97, recorded April 13th, 1997. I watched this live, and I loved it. And this is going to be a fun conversation because I know you don't like this show. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I was I was going to challenge you to a match for making me watch this. Uh, but the episode after this, I think uh, I, I think I make it up. So Yes, definitely. Uh, I've enjoyed that so far. <laughs> But uh, yeah, next week, ECW Barely Legal 97. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. You can subscribe to the show uh, on iTunes. Just search for Take 4 Wrestling. And uh, you can visit our website, prowrestlingpodcast.com. Pretty much redirects to the main site, but that's okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BKilby. And uh, you can like uh, JT Hog, which is Joey's Facebook uh, page. At tfradio.net slash hog. That's H O G G, all lowercase. You say, you say the second G with a smile. Second G with a smile. <laughs> okay, Joey, anything else? Uh, no, just uh, hope everybody's enjoying the show. And uh, I've, I'm having a great time uh, recording the show because I get to talk about uh, something I'm very passionate about. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody's enjoying it. And if they have any ideas, get a hold of us. Please, yeah, uh, contact at tfradio.net 
or you can tweet at us or leave a message on Joey's Facebook page. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find uh, what we're doing. And like Joey said, uh, if you have any ideas or anything, uh, shoot us a message. And why don't you just uh, tell a friend as well? Uh, because we could really use uh, the help. We are definitely in our infancy here. So uh, even like the slightest little budge will push us way farther than we are now. That is correct. Yep. Okay, so next week <laughs> we, we will be talking about Barely Legal 97, and that will be a hoot. So Yay. until then... Yay! This has been uh, Take 4 Wrestling. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.